1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendell for his usual Wednesday visit. All right, champ, the first topic of conversation, a lot to get into on today's show, but the first matter of business is all this talk about having the quote unquote 2020 college football season pushed back, not just pushed back later in 2020, but pushed back into winter. And early spring of 2021, people are calling it a spring season. It wouldn't be a spring season. It would start in, you know, mid-January, early February at the latest. Last time I checked, that is not spring. It would be mostly winter and early spring. Backs. I've been outspoken saying I think it's a foolish idea, but I will say this. If it came down to not having a quote-unquote 2020 football season at all, or playing it in winter and early spring, I would definitely take the latter I'm just curious to get your take on, it seems to be there's a lot of talk, a lot of momentum building toward that idea. Do you think it's feasible and just your general thoughts on it? It's
0: feasible. If you live in the Southeast, it doesn't work anywhere else in the country. Um, I went online and I looked and I, 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 cause you know, my thought process is, you know, it's going to be flipping freezing in January if we're going to have football, but Hey, let's 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 maybe I'm wrong. Right. And now down South, Of course, we all know their January temperatures are in the the mid-40s, mid-50s in their averages, right? Well, here in the state of Ohio, the average temperature in January is 28 degrees. That's pretty stupid. Same for Pennsylvania, same for Indiana, same for Illinois. Iowa, it's between 20 and 25 degrees. Uh, In the last 10 years, it's been 23 degrees in January as the average temperature, right? So even if you get down to the northern parts of the SEC, the average temperature is like 37, 38, 39 for Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky. You don't play football the whole season inside snowy conditions where it's 30 degrees and under. It's fun when it happens at the end of fall. I was at the Indiana game years ago when Ohio State beat the Hoosiers like 42-7 like to 7 or something, and it snowed the whole game, and they made a Nike commercial out of it. I love snow football but you can't have a whole season in those conditions. You know what the temperature average temperature in Minnesota is in January. It's 11 degrees. You remember that football game where Ohio state played in the snow and JT Barrett was out there running 76 yards in 12 degrees. And the Minnesota coach was eating an ice cream popsicle on the sideline, right? That would be every game. And that's pretty much infeasible to do if you want to have anything resembling football. So unless you have some grand scheme where every game is going to be played in Atlanta, Indianapolis, Dallas, the places where there's domes or in the state of Florida, it's just not going to work and in a college system where these guys aren't paid to be out of, out of out of what they're normally doing for weeks on end like pro sports is doing, it's not going to work. And it's not just the Big 10 that it won't work in. It won't work in the northern part of the Pac 12. It won't work in the state of, of of Oklahoma practically. Oklahoma's highs in January are in the mid 30s, right? It just doesn't work unless you're in SEC country. So if they want to have literally the SEC invitational by themselves and crown their national champion and then just tell us that's what would have happened anyways, then go the heck ahead, whatever. But for the most of us, it doesn't work, and it won't work. We're going to play this fall, or we're not going to play at all, in my opinion, because we haven't even gotten into talking about all of the players who just are going to say, screw this. Why should I play when I could risk myself getting really badly hurt? When the NFL draft's coming in. Trevor Lawrence
1: Fields and Sean Wayne and all them won't play either. Come on. Exactly. Let's talk about that. Um, And even beyond that, I mean, we all know those guys would sit out and something that gets lost in this discussion, probably because people are saying this is going to be spring football season in college football. That's the idea. It's like, no, again, it's not spring. It's mostly winter then early spring. Here is a huge part of this discussion that somehow is not mentioned nearly enough. The NFL has already said they are not going to push the draft back. So it's not like, well, if the NFL pushed and and really I, I don't understand why the NFL wouldn't work with college football if it came down to that, but the NFL has already said they're not going to. Now, if the NFL would push the draft back to June, it'd be more doable. But considering the draft is going to be held in late April, as usual, the last you know Thursday through Saturday of April in 2021, you're going to have to get this season done, including the national championship game before then. And, yeah, you're going to have all these star players sitting out, and we're talking about a lot of the underclassmen. You're also going to have – seniors sitting out who maybe didn't think they were going to be high picks in the 2020 draft, who now are coming back and realize, wait a minute, am I really going to come back as a fifth year senior? How about I just go in this draft in 2021? Even though if I didn't think I was going to be a high pick in 2020, maybe now i will be a second or third round pick in 2021. So you're going to have seniors sitting out too. It's not just going to be, you know, the, you know, the Jamar Chases, the Micah Parsons, you know, the uh, the Josh Myers, the Wyatt Davis, the Justin Fields, the Trevor Lawrences. It's not just going to be those guys. It's going to be the seniors as well because the NFL is not going to push its draft back. You know, I, I know I'm preaching at the choir here, Bax, but I think that's another huge part of this conversation.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's not just the blatantly obvious ones. There's a lot of guys who are going to say, why should I risk playing in worse conditions than usual uh, at a time where, we're not even sure if it's – if you're playing in the spring, you know it's not safe. Let's put it that way, right? If they're delaying all the way to the spring, then something's gone down that maybe we don't know about now that makes us think, okay, we can't actually play football this fall, right? So they're going to be playing under what would essentially be the middle of flu season, which is when you would assume a virus would be strongest in worse weather. You'd be playing in bad conditions. Who says if somebody's not going to run out of bounds on catching a pass and slip on a piece of ice or something on the sideline and tear up their leg, Right. Or all the heater machines. Remember that kid who got hurt a couple of years ago um, when he went through the back of the end zone. I think it was on Houston or Marshall. It might have been at Marshall, where the kid caught the football running out of the back of the end zone and went knee first into like a snow melting machine and tore his leg up. Right? It's just a little more dangerous to play in the snow. So a lot of kids who aren't just blatantly first round picks, but kids who were saying, "I'm, you know, I'm going to be drafted after this year," aren't going to risk their future earning potential and health and well being, especially at a time where most people aren't going to judge them for not playing. Like you're having people opt out of major league baseball season, out of the NBA season. Uh, you're going to see people opting out of a lot of this stuff. So if you're telling the college kids, it's all of a sudden safer to play in worse weather. And at a time of year where people were more likely to get sick of things like flu and pneumonia. Uh, I don't believe that that's remotely logical. And a lot of these kids are just going to say, what's the point? They're not going to do it. Right. And by the way, is it really going to be a fun college football season if some of the absolute best kids who are going to be a major part of national championship and conference championship and rivalry games uh, aren't playing? It's not going to feel the same. You need it in the fall. You need a normal schedule in the fall, at least between the conference teams, to be able to have anything resembling what we would consider "quote unquote" a regular football season. Because we'll look back at this 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 season like we look back at some of the seasons in the '40s when. A, you know, The Great Lakes Military Academy had one of the top 20 teams in college football because all the players who would normally be in college were busy in the military. If you have a bunch of kids sit out, this is an asterisk
1: year, and I don't think anybody wants that. No question about it. Let's just hope we have a college football season this fall. I still am, am holding out hope that we will, and I, if I had to guess right now, I still think we will have a college football season this fall. It will be truncated, probably conference games only, then play the postseason it probably an optimistic point of view there, hopeful point of view. But that's what I think if I had to bet my life, what will happen? Uh, and then to be clear, I, I think the, the winter, early spring season, it just seems like there's this, you know, logistically and for so many other reasons as we've illustrated already backs, so it just seems like it wouldn't work. But again, if that is the solution, instead of not playing at all, the quote unquote 2020 college football season, I obviously would take that option. But man, let's just hope we have college football this fall. All right, let's move on. Let's have some fun. Uh, yesterday's poll question on Bucknuts was, who was the worst head coach in the Big Ten? We will get to that in a moment. First, backs. I want to get your thoughts on who are the top three in order, best head coaches in the Big Ten? Who best? Best.
0: Let's best. see. The best coach right now, in my opinion, would be, of course, Ryan Day. He is the perfect coach for this time. He is the defending conference champion. Uh, Ryan Day is my number one coach. My number two coach right now would be PJ Fleck. I know a lot of people think he's a bunch of hokey, you know, goofiness, but end of the day, everywhere he goes, he wins. Everywhere he goes, he recruits well. Uh, PJ Fleck is an absolute big-time guy in my opinion. Um, And number three is interesting because there's a lot – actually looking at the list of Big Ten coaches, there's a lot of good coaches. The coaches today versus like when Urban took over is night and day, right? Right. I mean, and I'm not in trying to make, you know, a, a pun about Ryan Day's name either. I mean, it's a totally different talent level. Uh, but if I had to pick a number three guy, I'd probably go with James Franklin. Um, he's a guy who I know a lot of people think is uh, a little fake at times. And, you know, there's there's debates about what he's done. But at the end of the day, I, I put this in the bucket this week. I'm confused about his recruiting class this year as well. I don't understand why more kids aren't playing for him. but. Look what he's done at Penn State the last four years. They're averaging 10-11 wins a season. Their average final ranking is 10th in the country. Their games against Ohio State have been ridiculously close. I mean, two one-point losses, you know? I mean, let's be be honest here. Penn State's the only school in the conference that's consistently given Ohio State any sort of challenge. So right now, I would put Franklin at probably three. But there's two or three other guys you could easily talk about in that role. Paul Christ is always right there with a winning team. Uh, I think that you have a guy like, Jeff Brome, who has a ton of potential at Purdue, and I'm really interested to see what they do this year just because it's fun to have somebody who's that good of a coach. Uh, you know, you've, you've got a very interesting – Tom Allen has done a great job at Indiana, way better than I expected when he took over there. And we're not even talking – like, who's the worst coach in the Big Ten? Is it Mike Law? We're going to, really well? oh, oh, to get to that. Oh, we're going yeah, to get to that. We're going to get to that. Let's get to that after that here. You give me your talk. – you Let's get to let's that. that. Well, Sorry, what's amazing is our top –
1: our top three Big Ten best coaches are in concert. Like, we like, agree completely. Ryan Day, shockingly, the two Ohio State guys think Ryan Day is the best. But I think even if you take off the scarlet and gray glasses, um, you're going to say Ryan Day is the best in the Big Ten. And I like P.J. Fleck a lot. You know, what he's done at Minnesota already has been impressive. If you didn't know anything else about him, that's been impressive. The fact that he went 13-0 and at Western Michigan, actually 13-1, and they did lose a, a close game to wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl, but he took them to a New Year's Six bowl game, 13-0 at Western Michigan, best season ever. And his first year at Western Michigan, they were 1 and 11. It wasn't like he took over like some stacked program; like they were terrible when he took yeah, over. They were the
0: worst program in the MAC.
1: Yes, which I, maybe even worse than Eastern Michigan, which is saying a lot. The Eastern Michigan is perennially the worst team in the MAC. But yeah, uh, I like P.J. Fleck, and I have James Franklin third. I don't think he's a great game coach, but again, it comes down to you know the way I define this is who would you rather have leading your program? And then who is the least man that you would want leading your program, which we're going to get to in a minute. And James Franklin, I know there's going to be some debate on that, but yeah, I mean, I would take day over him. I would take Fleck over him, but I would take Franklin third again, barely over Chris, who I like barely over Pat Fitzgerald. Who's done a, a good job at Northwestern Kirk Ferentz's best days are behind him, but he's done a really good job at Iowa. And I know for sure you and I are going to disagree on the Indiana coach. I know he's done a good job so far. The worst head coaches in the Big Ten, backs go. Top three.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was looking at the list of Big Ten coaches, and once you get past Mike Loxley, who has hilariously failed everywhere he's gone, um, you have some interesting discussions because Loxley is at least recruiting well at maryland I, i'd be interested to see if he can keep enough of those kids home right to to be able to make a difference there but let's look at the big 10 of the all the quote bad programs and new coaches greg shiano at Rutgers. i'm not going to call him the worst coach in the big because he's the best coach in Rutgers history he's going to do well there despite our complaints about his ability to call a secondary when it comes to pass coverage right Rutgers cornerbacks turning their heads around when the ball in the air is the least of their problems there shiano's going to do some things uh mel tucker at at Michigan State, you could bring him up, I guess, because he's only got one year under his belt as a head coach. But we haven't seen him do anything, so it's not really fair to call him the worst. He has one year at Colorado where he's five and seven. That's it. And he had a really weird hiring time. Uh, we're going to say Scott Frost at Nebraska, who so far has been a bit of a failure there, is the worst coach in the Big Ten. I certainly wouldn't. This is a guy who took UCF and what made him undefeated in two seasons. Won a he- national championship down there, if you ask. The, That's right, uh, national champion. He the UCF. Knights. <laughs> I will say this. They beat the crap out of Auburn in that bowl game. So, that team was legit. Um, Heck yeah, they
1: were. Heck, yeah. Yeah, I talk about Western Michigan going 13-0. I mean, that UCF team was 13-0 and beat some big boys like Auburn. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so, Scott Frost so far hasn't done great. But is he the worst coach in the Big Ten? That's a problem. I just mentioned Jeff Brome, right? Uh, Jeff Brome is a guy who – I think it's Brom. Jeff Brom. I'm going to call him Brome, dang it. Brian Brome. Brome versus Braun. he's he's coach bro let him be the bro bro come on okay bro 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 hey but bro bro has done well there man I mean like that's the thing is they, they did they beat Ohio State two years ago they were that team that was crazy then last year they had so many does that make him the worst coach absolutely not then who else is there Pat Fitzgerald Pat Fitzgerald's done really well at Northwestern they were trash last year but he's done really well overall there he's the best coach in their program's history and it's not even close do we talk about Lovey Smith who just took his team to a bowl game for the first time and upset Wisconsin and took a pro team to a Super Bowl? Is that your worst coach? You can make an argument for it. But coming off the year he had last year, I don't think that's an argument. Honestly, the coach who's the worst position right now is Kirk Ferentz, but that doesn't have a lot to do with the on-field results. It has a lot more to do with the culture around the program. So, really, the Big Ten doesn't have many what I would consider, like, God, that guy's a bad coach. There used to be a lot of those back in the day. I mean, we go look at the Big Ten's coaching roster in 2010 and, and then get back to me. I mean, you had guys like Tim Brewster as the head coach. You had guys like Tim Beckman as the head coach, you know? You had some terrible duds of coaches back in the day. Mike and, Riley?
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh,
0: gosh, yeah, Mike Riley. Good Lord, that was a bad hire. That, remember when Nebraska fired Bo Pelini
1: because they thought they could do better and they've been horrible since?
0: Be careful what
1: you wish for. Even our Chris Ash was a terrible head coach at Rutgers, and I love Chris Ash for what he did for the Buckeyes. All right, I'm going to give my top three. And and people – my definition of this is who I would not want running my program the the most, and it's really close between my top two, which is Tom Allen and Mike Loxley. Now, Tom Allen has had success at Indiana, especially for Indiana standards. So this is going to sound crazy to the listeners, but let me explain. I would not want him running my program. He did not take over the typical – Indiana program like Jerry Donardo just left or you know um, he took over a program that Kevin Wilson had rolling pretty good and the way they recruit there and just I, I just think this is the year that Indiana might fall apart so I just would not want Tom Allen running my program but right there with him is Mike Loxley. Mike's, Mike Loxley can recruit but he cannot coach his, nope. his his career record now I know he was at New Mexico but you know he still has the worst record in New Mexico history. We're not saying it's just because he was at New Mexico. It's like every other New Mexico coach has done better than him. He, including his year at Maryland, he is now six and 40 as a head coach. Those guys are kind of like one A and one B. And then third, even though it is unfair, he's only had one year as a head coach at Colorado, and I like him because he's a former Ohio State assistant. He was on the, you know, the DB coach of the national championship team in 2200, Jim Trestle. I am not convinced Mel Tucker is going to be a good coach, and I have him third on my list as worst head coach in the Big Ten. Now, hopefully, Tuck will prove me wrong. I like Mel Tucker personally, and, you know, um, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So I always kind of root for Michigan State, if you know what I mean, uh, except when they're mm-hmm. playing the Buckeyes. So I'm rooting for Mel Tucker, but those are my three.
0: You know, Dave, it's funny, though, because the people you just went through on that list, like if your criteria is people I want least leading my program right now, the number one guy is Mike Loxley, like you said. He's a recruiter. He's a terrible coach. If you look at some of the stories about the stuff that went on at New Mexico, like people want to compare him to Ed Orgeron when Orgeron was at Ole Miss. And my response is, he was in the SEC, not the whatever conference New Mexico's in in at this point, right? So, like, there's a little bit better competition for for Coach O at that point. You could see how he could have maybe rehabilitated himself into a decent coach. Um, But after Loxley, then then if if your criteria is the guy I don't want leading my program right now, it's Kirk Ferentz. Good luck, you know? We don't need to get into the mess that they have going on there, but good luck. And it's funny, because you're talking about Tom Allen as a guy you don't really want leading their program – I could see them winning nine games this year with Michael Penix Jr. as their quarterback. I mean, that's a a program that, you know, he didn't inherit the usual disaster show of a Hoosier program. He went under 500 two straight years, but then they won eight games last year. And it wouldn't surprise me if Indiana finally ended up knocking off our rivals in Ann Arbor because they always – Give
1: you $100 if Indiana wins nine games. And this is not a bet. This is not a bet. I will just give you $100 if Indiana wins nine games this year. Woo, I'm saving this recording. Go Hoosiers, baby.
0: I can't wait. This is going to be the easiest money I've had since the Ohio State Writers poker game a week ago.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we both did well on that one. This one, only one of us would do well. I wouldn't get anything, which is how it's going to work out. There's no way Indiana's going to win nine games. We really should talk about the last Ohio State poker. Uh, We didn't do one this. We didn't do one on July 3rd, Friday, July 3rd. It was the first time we hadn't done one in nine weeks. Bax joined the <laughs> week before that, so the final Friday of June, we had two tournaments. We had ten players in each tournament. You won the first one. I won the second one. It was the Buck Nuts Sweep in the Texas Hold'em Ohio State Beat Writers Tournament. It was a beautiful night, Bax.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. As I say I showed up and did had the the lack of decency to lose the first game, and I went out and beat everyone. You beat Sorry, everyone. You weren't even at my table, but. Uh, so, so, so many of the illustrious names that we are probably not allowed to talk about uh, of the beat writing circle were part of this. So I'll have you know, Bucknut's dominance continues, everyone. Uh, 2-0 for Bucknuts. And I will say this, Dave. Um, we, we, our wins were key because our, our Bucknuts contingents in both games were knocked out very early other than the winners. So <laughs> we, we, we played it on the edge. We shot the, big, the, the
1: the top, and we hit the top both times. So that was exciting. That's how it's done in, in Texas Hold'em. You don't want to be – you either want to be first out or last out. Like, if you're, like, you know, right outside the money and you've played for a long time, that's just – You that's ain't first, you're
0: last. Ricky yeah, Bobby it, had it right.
1: Hey, shake and bake. Ryan Blaney, Ricky Bobby. He is Matt Baxendale. He is the people's champ. You can read his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. Shout out to our listeners on Spotify. I've been leaving you guys out. Thank you Ooh. to all the people listening on Spotify. Give us a five-star review if you like the show. Love everybody on Apple Podcasts who's been stepping up. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All the YouTubers out there, subscribe to the show if you like it. We appreciate that as well. Thanks to Bax. Thanks to all of our listeners. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, Mustang Band in the Land.